And welcome, everyone, to our Sunday edition of BAMS Radio post-Iron Bowl. And what an Iron Bowl it was. One for the ages. Ten years ago, uh, we had the kick six, which was probably one of the longest nights of my life. Uh, it uh, definitely was something that I uh, probably laid on the couch for four hours without moving. It was a heartbreaking loss. This time, Alabama rips out the hearts of the Auburn fans. Uh, as Jalen Milrose laser to uh, Isaiah Bond on fourth and 31, fourth and goal from the 31, wins the game for Alabama 27 to 24. A late interception from uh, Terry on Arnold was not counted as a touchdown. He what he did step out of bounds. I still don't understand how the sack and the fumble in the end zone and the recovery by the Auburn O lineman, where it looked like he went down before he got out of the end zone, wasn't a safety. But, hey, when you find out that the officiating crew was the same one that called Alabama-Tennessee last year, that's all you need to know. It was a horrendously officiated second half, I thought. But Alabama won the game. They showed a lot of toughness. Uh, Didn't play their best game, but certainly played well enough to win 27-24. And now the SEC championship game is upon us. It will be the biggest game in college football, biggest game of the year, in my opinion, and the winner will go on to the college football playoff. The loser likely staying home. Certainly, if it's Alabama, they will be. Uh, I still think if the Tide wins it, uh, with, uh, I, in my opinion, Washington likely losing to Oregon, and uh, we know uh, that there's a good chance another unbeaten team could lose. I don't put it past Louisville beating FSU. We certainly will see. But I think Alabama can still get into the college football playoff. Might get in just by beating Georgia because they'd be three undefeated and then Alabama. But if two lose, I definitely think the Tide's going to be in. But they need some help. No doubt about it. It's kind of an unusual year in college football. But at least the game is going to matter as Alabama is going to play for the SEC championship in Atlanta against Georgia. Against the 29-game winning streak, the two-time defending national champs should be one hell of a ball game. Much like Uh, Auburn played a lot better against Alabama after the debacle against New Mexico State. Alabama's going to have to play a lot better, uh, certainly on both sides, more consistently to beat a team the caliber of Georgia. We're going to discuss that and more today uh, with our cohorts. First, uh, from the city of Mobile, the port city uh, in Alabama. He's uh, keeping us on the air, doing a great job producing. Always gives great takes. That's Thomas the Wizard Watts. And then from 89 to 93, a national champion, William Redfish Barger. And we're going to get the thoughts from both these guys. William, uh, starting with you, I know you played in a lot of these games. They're very, uh, you know, high intensity, high emotion. They mean a lot to a lot of people. Now, I will preface this by saying the fans, there's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of, you know, back and forth. The players have a lot of mutual respect for each other. I've been around guys that were on both sides of it. Uh, but that was a, a classic Iron Bowl and a great performance, uh, in, I thought, in the second half, uh, for the most part, by Jalen Milrow. A couple of plays he'd like to have back, but I thought overall it was a very solid performance for him. And it just continues to show his development this year, which to me is as, is as stark as any I've seen when you, talk, when you take into account the start of the season and the Texas game to now. Uh, the, the playmaker that he's becoming. Well, I mean, Drew, I think you got to take it, you know, later than the than the Texas game. I mean, I, th- I think this team was, 
you know, still in disarray in the early part of, of October. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you factor in, you know, Milrose inconsistency, um, the offensive lines inconsistency, you know, um, obviously I think yesterday was the, um, you know, the defense's worst performance of the year. Um, you know, some people might say, you know, Texas, but, you know, Texas is a damn good football team. I, you know, I didn't get a really good chance to, you know, absorb them when, when we played them because I was so invested in the game. But, man, I, I watched them yesterday against Texas Tech, and that that, that might be um, the best front seven that Alabama sees all year, and I think even including Georgia into the mix. Yeah. Um, they, they've got some, you know, NFL players along their defensive line. Um, you know, I think you could make an argument um, with, with Anthony Hill, uh, make a great debate about who's the best true freshman in college football between the, the line, inside linebacker Anthony Hill versus Caleb Downs at, at Alabama. But, you know, going back to the Iron Bowl, um, you know, it, it was a classic, uh, you know, especially for Alabama fans. As the first half, you know, got a little bit deeper and deeper, um, you know, here comes the voodoo. Um, you know, Alabama and, and the officials, um, you know, there was a lot of points taken off the board. You know, I think some legit, some not legit. Um, you know, as far as the, um, you know, the offensive performance, I was shocked that, you know, Auburn was able to basically just run the ball uh, you know, down Alabama's defensive throats. Um, I was a little disappointed, um, you know, in the lack of, of defense adjustments at halftime. You know, I, I don't think you go, uh, you know, Coach Nickerson and Pipe Bulldog 6-2, you know, stack monster. Uh, but, you know, certainly you, you go 5-2 and walk a safety up in the box. Um, you know, because nobody's scared of Peyton Thorne or Robbie Ashford as a passer. Um, you know, I think you also saw that, you know, Hugh Freeze, uh, you know, was able to go back to some things that he was successful with when he was at Ole Miss versus a Nick Saban coach defense. Uh, you know, some of it are, you know, rub routes. Some of it's, you know, the old, you know, Steve Spurrier bread and butter of just having two wide receivers cross 15 yards down the field. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this is one of those games, especially considering, you know, it's one of the best rivalries in college football, in my opinion, the best, um, you know, for Alabama just to survive that and be able to come out with that, you know, miraculous win, you know, I, I think, Drew, it, you know, it, it begs the debate, you know, is, is, you know, in the last 10 years of Alabama football, um, are you a second and 26 or are you a fourth and 31 guy? Yeah. Somebody said that, William. I had a friend that said, you know, how would, where would that pass rank? He said, I guess it had to rank number two all time because two has won the national championship. This one helped Alabama stay alive in a championship race and win the Iron Bowl. I'd have to rank it a, a close second, but it was a laser. And certainly Milrow still has, uh, you know, to continue to improve processing and, and throwing the ball, you know, with anticipation. I think he's getting better and better, though. Um, you know, I think he's processing faster. I, on the last play, when he stood back there forever, he was scanning the field and then through a laser beam. So I think he's getting better. Uh, you know, again, he was just so raw when he came into Alabama with, you know, his abilities. But he has the talent. 
uh, just has to continue to improve his consistency. But like you said, I mean, since October, he's come so far. And certainly earlier in the season, he wouldn't have been capable, I don't think, of, of uh, bringing Alabama back in a game like this. And what he's really done really uh, exceptionally well in the last month is not turn it over. He didn't turn it over yesterday. Auburn turned it over three times. So Alabama was able to uh, survive. The only injury of note coming out that I saw was Jace McClellan. He got hurt in that last series when he got tackled. Might be a high ankle sprain. I know we're recording this right now. I think Coach Saban and Coach Smart have got a 4 o'clock press conference. So a teleconference, it will be interesting to see if Coach has a report on Jace McClellan. But luckily, Alabama has Roy Dell Williams, who had a touchdown yesterday. They have Jam Miller, who got some work, and Justice Haynes, and even Richard Gunn. They have some depth at the position. But certainly, Jace has had a really good year this year with 800 yards. And hope he's not hurt severely. When I watched the replay of the play, he got hurt. It looks like a high ankle sprain, uh, which would be hard to get over. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but certainly, as of right now, that's probably the only uh, the uh, only injury of uh, of uh, consequence. And I did I did like the way Coach Saban kind of messed with uh, Auburn's head yesterday as they were finishing warm ups. I saw where the last punt returner was Kool Aid McKinstry, but we all know that uh, that Caleb Downs returned the punts. Didn't really get any big plays yesterday out of that though. Auburn was really solid in special teams as they usually are, no doubt about it. But again, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see if Caleb can be a big uh, part of the uh, conversation in special teams against Georgia. Well, Thomas, I'm going to bring you into the conversation. I know the game was uh, one that it wasn't easy to watch. At times, it was ugly for Alabama, especially like William said. The first half defensively was not good. But what was your thoughts on the overall performance? Uh, so Alabama had a wonderful game of shooting their foot, shooting themselves in the foot, and then shooting themselves in the foot again. And looking at the stats, Alabama outgained Auburn by 120 yards. They were plus three in turnovers, admittedly. Two of those turnovers were the last play of the first half and the last play of the game. So, you know, a little bit uh, a little bit skewed there. Um, time of possession, Alabama won. They were better on third down. They were better on fourth down. They were balanced throughout the game. And yet still, but for a miracle, Alabama lost. Would have lost, excuse me. And and those are the kind of games, from a statistical perspective, you just want to scream your head off because the math does does not tell the same story that the score does. Realistically, Alabama probably should have won this by a couple of scores. Uh, if you go back and listen to our show, we had – I know I had 38-17. I believe yeah, you guys I had, had – Yeah, I had 37-17, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're talking solid, solid wins. But, you know, as, as, people, who have, who, as people who seem to think that partial differential equations are just a position in the Kama Sutra are loving to tell me – Football's not played in pound paper or with stats. So, you know, congratulations. That That's just the reality. But anyhow, Alabama really did a number on themselves on multiple occasions, but they found a way to win. And that's, to me, the biggest takeaway, Drew. Alabama's going into a game next week against Georgia. And you're talking, 
what, number one and number two or number one and number three in the talent index from recruiting rankings. And there's going to be talent everywhere. I think that the Georgia offensive line has had a similar renaissance to the Alabama offensive line. I think Carson Beck looks great. Now, you know, everybody's going to look at the Iron Bowl and say, oh, Alabama's vulnerable. Well, I just gave you the statistical case for it not being quite so bad. But other folks will look at Georgia struggling against Georgia Tech. Well, Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers yeah. sat out that game. Right. And, and yeah. like, there's nothing wrong with Georgia doing that. But realize that those two, like Brock Bowers is probably, will probably be the best player on the field next Saturday. I mean, he's a top five pick any day of the week. And McConkey has been solid when he's been available. And if you look at Georgia's statistics with McConkey, without McConkey, there's a pretty significant drop off there. So you can't really tell a ton from either game. Now, the one thing you can say, Drew, and then I'll kick it back to you is, if Alabama kind of makes the mistakes that they had against Auburn, you know, the, the blown coverages and the penalties and just yeah. the, the wackadoodle stuff, the, the, the voodoo hell, the voodoo that makes the voodoo hell hole in West Georgia earn its name, if that happens against Georgia, Alabama will lose and they can lose pretty bad. But if Alabama comes out and puts their best foot forward, they are very capable of beating this Georgia Bulldogs team. So, you know, strap them up. Yeah, hopefully McClellan is fine. We will see. But, yeah, talking about the Iron Bowl, I hate these statistic. I hate these games from a, stati- a statistical perspective. And they found a way to win, you know, survive in advance. And, you know, we can talk a little more about the college football playoff towards the end of the show, Drew. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, again, I think overall – Remember two years ago, I thought Alabama looked worse against Auburn. But, of course, that Auburn team, I think, was better than those one, this one yesterday. But Alabama, you know, had to win in four overtimes. And they ended up playing their best game. They blew Georgia out. So, you never know. It's a rivalry game. Uh, Georgia rested some guys against Tech. Tech is not very good. The ACC sucks. I'll be honest with you. Alabama would beat the hell out of Florida State, even if Jordan Travis was healthy. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, Georgia would beat the hell out of Florida State. I think most of the Pac-12 teams would. I'm just going to say it. The ACC is by far the most piss-poor power conference. But if Florida State goes undefeated, if Sad Sack Louisville can't, you know, step up and whack them, then they're, they're going to go to the playoff and lose about as bad as Jimbo and the Clown Patrol did in 2014. When, if you remember, Marcus Mariota in Oregon beat them, what, 30? So, that's probably what's gonna ha- would have that would happen. No offense to Florida State, but again, uh, I just think overall, uh, Alabama's going to need some help. No question about it. But uh, I think you know they 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 first you got to go out and beat a really 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 good uh, you know Georgia team, a, a team that's going for history. And so if they can, then potentially you know uh, then they can, then they'll they'll make a case. But they they got to win first and. We'll talk about that as the show goes on. But I thought in the second half, Alabama did a much better job defensively against Auburn. Uh, the one thing is the is what Thomas talked about. You can't have the bus. We haven't seen Kool-Aid and those guys have too many of those uh, wild turkey golding busts in the secondary. But they did, uh, and they allowed, uh, you know, Javarius Johnson, who had a great game, by the way. A senior really stepped up for Auburn, had a great game. 
Uh, they can't turn guys loose. They got to uh, do a better job. But again, uh, that I think everybody understands that. And this Alabama team, I, I will say this though, uh, I know the Swamp Monster got beat for that sack late, but I thought the O-line as a whole played well against Auburn. They gave Milrow plenty of time when Milrow needed to get out of the, you know, the pocket and make plays. He did. And again, I, I, I just also value the, the rivalry because uh, I think it is the best rivalry in college football, Alabama and Auburn. Uh, certainly I'm an Alabama guy. Everybody knows that, but Auburn competes. They compete well, especially in Jordan hair. It's always different. Uh, and so Alabama found a way. I, I still I, I still enjoyed, uh, you know, watching the Iron Bowl. And I watched some of Michigan, Ohio State. It bored me to tears. I just don't – I'm not that impressed with it. I'll be honest with both y'all. I think Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams in the country. I'll just say it. I think Alabama and Georgia would beat the hell out of both Michigan and Ohio State. Not impressed with one of them. So, I mean, I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is a really good receiver. He absolutely is. But so is Malik Neighbors. And Alabama's seen people like that. And I'll just say, Kyle McCord and J.J. McCarthy, neither one of them would start at Alabama or Georgia, okay? Neither one of them. They're not very good. I've watched enough of them, all right? And so I don't think Al- – and Michigan will make the playoffs because they're going to beat Iowa. And William, if <laughs> I watched some of the Iowa uh, Nebraska game, and I have to say it sat football back about a 50 years watching Iowa uh, – get two field goals blocked and neither team could complete a forward pass hardly at all. I mean, it was just absolutely awful. And I just, again, that's why I just think the big Ten's not very good. It is better than the ACC, but I think the PAC 12 and the SEC are the two best leagues. All right. I'll get to that in just a second, Drew, but I want to piggyback off of two things that, that Tom has said. Right. Um, you know, apparently he's getting a bunch of blowback from, I'm assuming, Bammers um, on how stats don't matter. And w- when it comes to what happens on any given Saturday, um, yeah, sometimes that's true. But especially from an aggregate point of view, this late in the season, the stats tell a story. And, uh, you know, for, for the people that just want to poo-poo the statistical stuff, um, they're completely wrong, especially in, in, at the end of November, um, because it, it's, it's a long and winding road trail, but the stats tell a story. And, you know, Thomas made the comment that the Georgia offensive line has had a renaissance. Um, I think they were one of the best uh, offensive lines in college football at the beginning of the year. But the reason the renaissance has taken place is because they've probably got, if not the best offensive tackle, um, maybe Joe Alt from Notre Dame is better. But, you know, they've gotten Armarius Mims back. Yeah. And depending on how the draft breaks down next May, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team that has that need um, for a stud offensive tackle if you don't see Amarius Mims go before Brock Bowers. Um, I, I think Brock Bowers is one of the best players in college football. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. go, 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 go take some measurements off of that. You know, speaking of 77 being a swamp monster, um, you know, he's six foot four, 305. Uh, Amarius Mims is six, seven, 340. 
um, has no hanging body fat and has the wingspan of a 747. Um, you know, if he's 100% healthy and, you know, somebody that's got the ability to play left tackle, um, you know, in that draft, um, he, he has a very good chance of being a, you know, a top 10 to top 15 draft pick as well. Um, as far as the, 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 the debate about, you know, who, who's the best conference, um, I mean, I think Michigan is a pretty solid program. Um, you know, I, I think they're they're better than Ohio State, and and you know, Ryan Day is well on his way to digging himself an early grave, um, like Jim Harbaugh was two or three years ago. I think he had four or five losses in a row um, to Ohio State before he turned the chide there. But as far as um, rivalries go, um, you know, I, I, I spent uh, two weeks in the summer, two weeks at Christmas, uh, from the time I was born, uh, until I was about 13 years old in the state of Michigan, uh, got a family member that played for Michigan. Uh, you know, it's only a rivalry one week out of the year. Yeah. They get pretty salty and they get pretty, uh, bent out of shape, but as soon as that game's over with, um, you know, they go back to, you know, pulling for the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Tigers. It, it's not a 360. I, I'll tell you this. I think the Egg Bowl rivalry between Mississippi State and, and Ole Miss is a bigger just, you know, I hate your freaking guts uh, cross-state rivalry uh, than, than what uh, Michigan and Ohio State is. Yeah. And as far as, you know, what's going to happen this weekend, uh, you know, Drew, with, with Iowa versus Michigan, you know, and that's got to be a painful, um, you know, process for a father to do. But, you know, Kurt Ferentz has had to fire his son um, yeah. for, for the, you know, the pit, pitiful Iowa output offensively. Um, I think Michigan's going to win that game by, you know, two or three touchdowns. Um, you know, just because Iowa's in, you know, like you saw, Iowa and Nebraska are, are just not capable of completing a forward pass. Um, you know, Michigan's got some dudes, man. I mean, um, you know, they lost their best offensive lineman yesterday. The Minter kid's probably done for the year, but yeah, uh, Corum's going to play on Sundays for a long time. Edwards is going to play for a long time. You know, I think J.J. McCarthy, the, McCarthy is, is good enough to hang around in the league long enough to get a pension. Um, you know, certainly Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, you know, for Ohio State is, is, is one of the best players in college football. But that supporting cast um, isn't really, you know, what we've seen in the last 10 years that have come out of Ohio State. You know, they, they give out, you know, they used to give Alabama hell. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, with guys that, that we would target, they would end up getting certainly uh, Black Santa Larry Johnson gets a lot of credit for that. But, uh, you know, you know, and, and Drew, one of the things that, that really kind of screwed my Saturday up yesterday is I, I spent a lot of time, you know, hitting the back button on the remote when it would go to commercial break from the Ohio State-Michigan game uh, going back to the LSU-Texas A&M game. Um, you know, 
Texas A&M with an interim head coach and a third-string quarterback, you know, gave LSU all they wanted, you know, and then late last night, you know, the reports, you know, slips out there that A&M was set to hire Mark Stoops as their next head coach. Um, you know, that's since all been poo-pooed. But, you know, well, why would you, if you're Texas A&M, you got more money than God, um, you hired a pretty accomplished head coach in Jimbo Fisher, and, you know, he failed. You know, why would you hit the, the rewind button and hire his former defensive coordinator who has been the head coach of Kentucky with a 500 record against the SEC East, which, you know, Tennessee's been in the shitter. Uh, South Carolina's been in the shitter. Um, everybody over there outside of Georgia, since Mark Stoops has been the head coach, has been in the shitter. So how do you think what he's done at Kentucky, losing four or five games a year, is going to translate to elevating Texas A&M's program to the next level in the West? It's not. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, and, you know, especially when you've got uh, Big Brother Texas, you know, that, that Steve Sarkeesian has rocking and rolling right now before they come into the conference. And, you know, Brent Venerables is still kind of, you know, picking and, 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 you know, trying to get that program going in the right direction. But, you know, they've got their deficiencies, but they're still going to be a, a tough out, um, you know, for anybody with the way they recruit quarterbacks and, and throw, uh, you know, points up on the board. But, you know, and I think that might be worth, you know, maybe having a show post Georgia, Alabama um, interim between, you know, the, the bowl games and stuff that comes out, um, you know, let, let's take a look at the landscape of what the SEC is going to look like next year from a schedule standpoint for everybody, you know, having Texas and Oklahoma uh, coming into, I mean, Alabama's, I, I've looked at Alabama, Auburn, and LSU schedule for 2024. And thank God there's a 12-team playoff coming into play oh. next year. Because yeah. I, I, I think the days of a, you know, Georgia or Alabama, you know, running the, the the regular season schedule in the SEC are over with. And, you know, Drew, you, you've talked a lot about the, the current culture and landscape of, you know, this college football playoff for 2023. Um, I, I still think as flawed as, as the participation trophy is from the college football playoff committee, there's no doubt in my mind after what I saw a fully healthy Bryce Young and that Alabama team do to K-State last year. There's no doubt in my mind. I think you could make an argument that 2022 Alabama should have been in the playoffs regardless of what happens with the 2023 Alabama team. Yep. I mean, it, it's <laughs> – I would, I would agree, uh, you know, wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, I, I've I've been uh, really pleased with the way this team is, the chemistry that they have. Um, you know, I think it's the best it's been in a couple of years. I think they believe in each other. I think that's why they won the game yesterday. I think they've done a great job. Uh, you know, but I, I and I and I think that um, you know that uh, 
they're in good they're in a good position potentially depending on Jason's health. About as good a position as you can be in. I know that people talked about Deontay Lawson and Jalen Key looking to step slow, but they were getting back in the flow. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Can I can I can I make one point real quick about sure, since you sure. mentioned Deontay Lawson? Yep. yep. If the Alabama coaching staff puts seventeen in the game, one more time over a half hobbled Jihad Campbell, I will make Don Shula go down in infamy when I say. The evaluators need to be evaluated. That guy's terrible. And and uh, uh, Tresman, if you want to come fight me at fifty three, I'll, I'll I'll meet you in the damn street. I may get my ass beat, but I promise you, I'll take your soul from you before you beat my ass. <laughs> uh, well, Thomas, I know you've done a lot of research on the Georgia game. What is your immediate the thoughts on the matchup with the dogs? So, you look at the statistical profile, Georgia-Alabama, and Georgia's defense is, as statistically, it's actually a little bit better than Alabama's, and the offense is decidedly better. And that's just, you know, those are just the numbers. Now, one thing that is interesting about all of that is – and this, and this actually, this uh, we can expand upon this point later. One of the big problems that Alabama is facing from the College Football Playoff Committee that is specifically tied to how god awful that Alabama played against USF and Arkansas. So the statistical profile has a very unfortunate but very pronounced distortion in it. In most cases, even if you do opponent adjustments. So, you know, this this line came out and it's, you know, some books, you can get it at four and a half. Some, so you'll get it four and a half, five in that area. Uh, I've seen a lot of projections, Georgia by seven, seven or eight even. So there is some value there. The argument, essentially, the, the, the I would argue the reason that Vegas has it a little bit lower than a lot of models is the reason I just broke down. The... USF game, to put it into perspective for listeners, might be the worst game a Nick Saban-coached Alabama team has played since ULM from a pure statistical point of view. So, you know, when you've got something like that, you have a whole lot to overcome. And Alabama just hasn't done that statistically. Now that said, where... Do I think that Alabama can find success against Georgia? And this was highlighted against Missouri. I don't think you're going to be able to run up the middle on Georgia. I just don't. As much as I think Tyler Booker and the Swamp Monster are a completely different ball of wax than what Georgia has seen outside of the offensive line they compete against every day in practice, I don't think that's that's really the road to you know the road to success. Georgia has been gashed a little bit on the outside, so some off-tackle stuff. And that, to me, is the path forward for Alabama on offense. <coughs> Excuse me. And what does that really mean? Off-tackle runs, getting Milrow 
out, kind of like what he was doing against LSU. Now, I realize the LSU defense and the Georgia defense could not be further from each other in terms of ability and statistical profile. But, you know, Georgia can be stressed on the edges. And, and going back to the Auburn game, that's what, what Auburn did to Georgia and what Auburn did to Alabama looked very similar because it was pounding the edges, pounding the edges, pounding the edges, and then confusion. So, but statistically, Georgia's frankly just better. They're the 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 Georgia being favored by five, and Georgia being in a lot of models a touchdown favored. That makes perfect sense. Just looking at the math, that doesn't mean that Georgia's unbeatable. Um, you know, I think the the point you will hear a lot over the next week is the running quarterback point. And and essentially that is Georgia has struggled with running quarterbacks. Well, spoiler alert, everybody's going to struggle with a really good running quarterback. It just isn't something that most teams are built to handle in a very you know coherent way, particularly when talent gets to the upper elite echelon. I mean, there's a reason that Lamar Jackson both won a Heisman Trophy and has been functionally unstoppable for the Baltimore Ravens throughout. Now, he hasn't won a playoff game, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, that's that's a big thing. So, Drew, really, I see why, but there, this is not something where it's kind of a long march to a slow death where Alabama is just going to, you know, play hard for three quarters and then suddenly it's going to fall apart. I don't see that happening at all. And, you know, the one thing I didn't talk about, how does the Alabama defense match up with the Georgia offense? And one of the interesting parts of that to me – is how you know how does Carson Beck react because he will see a defense that's pretty similar to what he sees in practice but he like every other more uh, uh, every other less mobile quarterback hates interior pressure and low key one of the best parts of the Alabama defense before the Auburn game was I thought the defensive interior was running five and six guys deep and really doing a great job for Alabama, particularly in the last month. So with all of that going on, you know, he doesn't like that, and he does sometimes his ball placement, similar to Jalen Milrow, leaves much to be desired. So, you know, it's Georgia's not unbeatable, and, you know, Beck is going to – Alabama's going to make the Georgia offense, which, again, statistically is excellent, really work for it. and. I, as William said, Amarius Mims Dallas, v. Dallas Turner, if Alabama lines that up, appointment-level viewing. Amarius Mims v. Chris Braswell, appointment-level viewing. I think it's going to be a whale of a football game, and you really do get into a point where the que- you suddenly start asking questions. Is Alabama able to generate enough pressure on Carson Beck to turn him from a very, very good quarterback to a more pedestrian version. And it does that mean he commits some he has some mistakes. Does Jalen Milrow continue to play relatively safe football? You know, if 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 you tell me going into the fourth quarter that Alabama's within a score and they have a pretty solid pressure rate and you know they're 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 able to move the ball relatively effectively. I think Alabama's going to win the game. Now, what what would a, what would a win look like? What what would be the indicators that you're looking at if you're an Alabama fan? Turnovers are going to matter in a game like this. 
Both teams want to run. Both teams want to control the ball. One of the things that got absolutely hammered against the, the hammered in the Iron Bowl was New Mexico State limited Auburn to eight possessions in their game. The 31-10 win New Mexico State had over Auburn. Eight possessions. That means every possession is critical, so a turnover is a huge deal. You know, if, if, if an Alabama or a Georgia gets to a minus two in the turnovers, like they, they get two turnovers, they'll win the game, just period, They're, because the possessions will suddenly get really, really limited really, really fast. Um, you know, clean game. Got to clean up the stuff that Al- some of the struggles that Alabama had against Auburn in penalties. You know, that, that just can't happen. Everything, essentially what I'm trying to say is everything's going to matter against this team. There are ways forward. I don't think this Georgia defense is as world-ending as it's been, particularly along the front in the past. And I really like this Alabama offensive line. You know, you guys both said, you know, Jalen Milrow has improved, and I think he has. But to me, the thing that's really sparked this offense is the offensive line, you know, Caden Proctor has really started putting in quality (coughs) reps the emergence of our favorite offensive lineman, the Swamp Monster, and then just gelling of the group in general. There were points against Auburn, and this has been kind of a consistent thing since LSU, where Jalen Milrow could do the Jalen Milrow thing and stand in the back and scan and scan and make an omelet and cure cancer and knit a sweater and cure cancer again and then he'll throw a pass because the pocket's been that well-defined. If the, off- if the Alabama offensive line can do that, uh, yeah, they're going to win. Alabama will win. That, that's going to be a big deal. So I think it's going to be a whale of a game, and I cannot wait to watch it. It's one, I, I'm, I'm going back and forth as to whether I make the trip over to Atlanta, and uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pick Alabama in the game 27-23 in a classic. I just think Alabama's going to play their best game, find a way to win it. Uh, by the way, we got some breaking news in the coaching world here uh, on the show. Um, now, we all know yesterday we were following it, and my best source had told me that Jeff Levy was very high up and was very likely to be the Mississippi State coach. Uh, now, there could be a chance that Coleman Hutzler joins his coaching staff at Mississippi State. It's not a done deal, but I think that's being discussed. I would help him pack and help him move on. But that's just me. Uh, and uh, But we'll see if that happens. But Mike Elko will be the next A&M head coach. This is coming from Brent Zvorneman of the Houston Chronicle, who uh, was one of the first to shoot down Mike uh, Mark Stoops excuse me, yesterday. And Stoops was done. But as per usual, there's too many cooks in the kitchen and College Station. And uh, the Board of Trustees nixed it when there was a lot of blowback. Uh, and so they've gone to Elko. He's a solid coach. He did a great job, uh, you know, helping, uh, you know, uh, Dirt Neck get uh, that huge buyout and uh, get him an extension while he was there running his defense. Probably should give some of that money to Elko. But, again, uh, Elko went to Duke. I thought he did a very solid job. I thought he elevated it from where Cutcliffe had it. And now he is uh, coming to A&M. Interestingly, uh, Max Johnson is leaving. I'll be interested to see if Riley Leonard, the quarterback from Fairhope, follows his coach to A&M. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, and, of course, uh, you've been, it, been uh, Connor Wegman. We'll see what he does as well. But it looks like uh, A&M has found their head coach. I sort of, I've always thought it was going to be Elko more than likely. 
this time. And he's not the sexiest guy, but he may be the best fit. We'll see. A&M's done too much of trying to win the damn press conference and not football games. So we'll see where that goes. But looks like that's going to be uh, the, the move right there. And we'll see how that affects recruiting, certainly in the transfer portal. Alabama would very likely be very interested in Evan Stewart, who did not play against LSU yesterday and is going to go in the portal very likely from A&M. He could replace a guy like Jermaine Burton. And there's a lot of, from what I'm hearing, a lot of players like Jalen Milrow, they'd like to play with him and hopefully continue to help him improve because a good supporting cast leads and stuff like that. So it's going to be a wild recruiting ending and a wild transfer portal season. Alabama certainly got to try to hold on to Ryan Williams. Auburn's putting pressure on there. I still think Auburn will get Cam Coleman. They already have Uno Thompson. I'm not sure Alabama really gives a shit about, you know, getting Uno Thompson back. Uh, you know, honestly, he's a really good player, but I think they like the other two receivers that they have, Amari uh, Jefferson and then the young man, uh, you know, uh, all that they had that they got committed early uh, from up in Pennsylvania. I think they like him, but the, the guy that I always reminds me of Debo Samuel. So I think they're they're uh, they're you know satisfied with those guys. Uh, they just need to hold on to Ryan Williams, potentially get an Evan Stewart. So that's interesting. But William, uh, as we you know we're winding down the show, you made some outstanding you know observations about Alabama and the Iron Bowl, and then uh, with this Georgia team. But how, how do you kind of what's your early feel for the game? Uh, how they match up with the dogs? Um, you know, I mean, I, I've got a little bit more concern um, than I did, you know, a week, week and a half ago with, you know, um, you know, how much consistency um, Auburn had running the ball against them yesterday. Um, you know, I, I think Alabama's got a puncher's chance in this game if they can get, um, you know, the best, you know, coaching, you know, game plan and the effort out of their players. Uh, but, but, you know, Thomas touched on something and I would like to get his take on this on, on kind of something that's totally irrelevant to the current state of Alabama football. Um, but, but it is a, a a big deal, um, because it comes down to statistics in my book. All right, Thomas. So. There's a lot of people all across the country, especially in the Southeastern Conference, and especially um, from the state of Louisiana. So a lot of people think that Jaden Daniels is going to win the high school. Um, he lost three games against the three best teams that he played, uh, Florida State, Ole Miss, and Alabama. Um, you know, he had a stinker against Arkansas. Um, you know, yesterday against Texas A&M, you know, he was able to pull it out, but uh, they, they pretty much kept his stats in check. Um, give me your Heisman prediction based on the current culture of college football and the, st the statistical stuff that you have in front of you. Sure. So I, I think I haven't dug into the Heisman much because I genuinely haven't worried about it. But I believe I've read that Jaden Daniels is authoring one of the greatest statistical seasons a college quarterback has ever had. Yes, he did lose three games against the three best teams that he played. But, and, you know, admittedly, one of those, he did get hurt. Alabama knocked him out with a concussion. 
but that game, the way it was Dirty hit. Dirty hit. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. But, no, um, joking aside, he has had a fantastic season. And if it was a stat stuffer thing, I think he would win it. I think he's going to get most of the Southeast and a lot of the East vote. But if I had to pick William, I'm going to take Bo Nix. Because I, I think, totally agree. I think Bo Nix. So, I, I, a couple of my best friends are from the West Coast, and they're big Oregon fans. And so, because the Oregon Oregon State game was on Friday, they're like, "Hey, come to the house. We're going to throw a watch party." And da 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 da. And you know, Bo Nix played exceptional against Oregon State. Now, yes. admittedly, Oregon State is kind of a paper tiger. I mean, frankly, most of the Pac-12 is this year. But uh, I digress, and if anybody wants to come at me, I'm just going to ask about Arizona. But, you know, we'll leave that. Put that in a box, put it to the side. Um, anyhow, but the thing is, I think, one, Bo Nix is having a fantastic statistical season. That offense is tailor-made for what Bo Nix wants to do. And some of the Alabama fans will remember, and Auburn fans will also remember, some of the bad Bo moments, those don't happen in the Pac-12 because the athletes aren't there. You know, the, the play that – there was a play in the Oregon-Oregon State game. When I saw it, I literally was like, what are you doing, Bo? And it was coming in at the half. Oregon State had just put together a really good drive. It was 14-10. And Bo Nix rolls to his right and from outside the hash throws back across the field like 40 yards downfield, and it is an arm punt. I mean, his feet are not set. His shoulders are like 40 degrees the wrong way. It is one of those things where you're watching, you're like, what do you see? And then it works, and it's a touchdown. And in the back of my head, it was one of those moments where you're watching – and as a coach, you're just screaming into your headset because it's like, what? No, no. Oh, my God, it worked. Yes. So <laughs> and that was true. that's all I could say. I was like that. No, no. Terry and Arnold picks that off and he might run it all the way back because of how weird that play broke down. But anyhow, you know, and all credit to him, it worked. But that's the kind of stuff that he's able to do. And that's been a large portion of his statistics. He's still a fantastic quarterback. It helps that you've been playing college football since, you know, the Reagan administration because of the COVID year. But, you know, that 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 problem is fixing itself as those players age out. But the other part of this is you need to have that you need to put an exclamation point on your Heisman campaign. And I think Bo Nix and Oregon are going to absolutely obliterate Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. I think Washington has been Jesus take the wheel, holding on by their fingernails for at least the past month. Michael Penix, like if I watched the Apple Cup after the Iron Bowl because I kind of just put something on the television screen and sat there in awe and, you know, trolled some people on Twitter because it was fun. And you know, Mike, they do that crazy fourth down play, and Roma Dunze gets 22 yards. And they're in, you know, Washington's in field goal position, and Penix throws two deep shots that basically hit two Wazoo guys in the numbers. 
it was like, and it wasn't even one of those things where it was like the Wazoo DB made a good play. There were like three Wazoo DBs around one or two Washington players. And it's just like, what do you see? What are you doing? Like, your game sense is off. And Oregon hasn't shown that. And I expect Oregon to really put a hurting on Washington. And that will propel Bo Nix to the Heisman Trophy. That all being said, should Jalen Milrow ball out, whether he deserves it or not, he could absolutely ride a huge game against Georgia to an invite to New York. Do I think he deserves it? Eh, Hold hold the phone. But that's going to be the sort of thing that I think gives Bo Nix the Heisman Trophy, assuming Oregon does what I think they're going to do against a Washington team that, you know, Washington and Florida State are basically the same team, except one plays in Florida, one plays in Seattle, one likes maroon, and one likes purple. They're both different shades of the same team. They've been holding on for at least the past six weeks, and it's just like, when is when is this gonna when is this gonna not work? Like, when is this like what is happening here? Because I really don't want to think about either of those teams against a Georgia. I mean, I think that. Oh my God! I oh 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 that would be awful. Malachi Starks would have like thirty-five and a half interceptions by halftime on either of those teams. So, but anyway, William, to your question, I think Bo Nix is going to win it. Um, and frankly. Brian Kelly has no one to blame but himself because the mess that is the LSU defense is squarely on his shoulders. If L- like yep. if you if you take even like Ole Miss's defense, if you take the Ole Miss like the, the Ole Miss defensive statistics and you put them on that LSU team, that LSU team is undefeated and probably number one in the college football playoff, and you've got a 1v2 coming in the SEC title game. But the LSU defense is so ridiculously bad that it's just, you know, what is what is what is Jaden Daniels supposed to do? I mean, he put up 600 yards against Florida, and the defense still gave up 35 points. He put up 49 points against Ole Miss, and the defense gave up 700 yards. And the 700 yards is one of those things that you look at. You know, I'm breaking down the LSU game if you go back and listen to it. And it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with a game where you give up 700? Like, trust me, there is a point where math breaks. And around 700 yards a game is right there. So, you know, Jaden Daniels, if he was on, if he was going in, if it was him playing Georgia this Saturday, I think he'd win the Heisman regardless. But since he's sitting at home... Sorry, bud. You're not the clear-cut guy, and I think Bonex is going to have his Heisman moment this upcoming Saturday. I don't disagree with any of that. I do think Bo can easily win this, and I and I, I think they are going to beat Washington. Wouldn't surprise me if he can edge them out, uh, edge out uh, Jaden Daniels. He's had a monster year himself. Jaden will be a finalist, uh, but I'm not. I don't know that he'll win it, but. Guys, I'm gonna. T- I wanted to go to our question, and we kind of hit on it a little bit. We had someone on Twitter ask about fixing the run defense before Georgia, because Alabama uh, had some issues. Most of it was in the first half, but William, you kind of, you know, touched base on it. Uh, what? What? Do you, I'll go with you, and then, and then Thomas can give his thoughts. But 
what does Alabama do need to do, excuse me, to fix the run defense that was been really good up until yesterday up to this point? Well, I mean, I, I think you've got a little bit of a, an internal battle, um, you know, with what's going on, you know, at Alabama with, you know, T-Rob and Kevin Steele and, you know, kind of having, you know, two cooks in the gumbo pot there. Um, you know, one may have a different philosophy about how the adjustments need to be made versus the other one. Um, but, you know, with, with what you saw yesterday versus Auburn, um, you know, I think it's pretty cut and dried that you, you know, you go to a five-man defensive front, um, you know, Jihad Campbell and Deont- Deontay Lawson, um, an inside linebacker, and, and, you know, you walk up probably, you know, the leading tackler um, of the team and one of the top four, uh, you know, leading tacklers in the SEC and Caleb Downs, and, you know, you play eight men in the box, and, you know, you dare Auburn to pass. Um, I, you know, I think that was pretty cut and dry, um, you know, with what, you know, Hugh Freeze was able to dial up with Peyton Thorne and, and Robbie Ashford. Um, you know, you, you take that away from them. And then, you know, if you don't have three guys on the back end of the defense that can cover, you know, Auburn's wide receivers, you know, then you really need to kind of check about what you're doing um, because, you know, no, nobody fears Peyton Thorne as a passer or Robbie Ashford. Um, you know, the, the, the next game against Georgia, you know, that's a different animal. I mean, Carson Beck can throw the football and they've got skilled players, um, you know, with, with Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers and, um, you know, those guys that, that Georgia has. Um, you know, then you make that adjustment. But I think yesterday where the real failure was, you know, they never sold out to stop Auburn from being able to run the football on them. And, you know, I had to be honest with you, Drew, as a, you know, a former Alabama player, it, it bugged the shit out of me that, and I don't even know who, what, what this kid's name is, but number 77 from Auburn. Yeah. Um, whatever his name is, you know, he was pushing and punching and, you know, bullying, you know, whatever Alabama player that he was latched on to um, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you, you never really saw the response. Now, there in the, in, at the end of the game, um, when that, you know, beautiful freaking melee took place, um, where it was almost a, you know, a team clearing bench brawl. Um, and I don't know what 84's name is for Auburn, but, you know, but that dumb son of a bitch jumped into the melee and came out and then his damn forearm was going in a 90 degree different direction than the rest of his arm was. I don't know how he got his arm broken, um, in that melee, but, you know, that kind of goes back to, um, you know, that officiating crew that was over that game yesterday, I, I have no idea how a personal foul flag was not thrown on that thing. I'm thankful that it wasn't, but you know, that, that was just, you know, a piss poor officiating effort. And then somebody reminded me today that was the same officiating crew that had Alabama at Tennessee last year where we had 17, uh, penalties thrown on us. Yeah, that's totally right. It was Mike O'Reilly. 
he totally assaulted our the punter James Burnup, and then got on top of him like a WWE match. And of course, Mo Larry and Curly didn't throw a flag. Uh, they went over there and finally got him up off of him. And of course, he threw his hands up. So quite frankly, uh, when he got his arm broken in that melee that he tried to start, and there should have been offsetting penalties. I couldn't believe they let a WWE match break out, but he just goes to show you how piss poor that officiating crew was and they didn't have control of the game i thought it was karma uh you like somebody uh one of my followers said on twitter you know karma's a bitch and so mike o'reilly got his arm broken uh, you know and i don't feel sorry for him because he was trying to basically start a a fight and uh that's just the way it goes i mean look i do you know when when the whole melee started did you want that to happen no but i mean again Sometimes you get what you deserve. And the guy, you know, totally assaulted James Burnham. who's was a cheap shot. And then he starts, tries to start that fight. And that's what happens, man. You'll heal up by spring. So uh, that's just one of those things. And then you were asking about number 77 uh, for Auburn. That's Jeremiah Wright. Uh, he's, a, he's one of their better you know, offensive linemen. You know, a guy that's, uh, you know, basically switched over from defense a couple of years ago. Uh, good player. Uh, but again, like what, like you said, he was probably, he's playing through the whistle. Uh, but I, I blame the officiating a lot on that. I thought the officiating crew was bad, uh, you know, and really for both sides, uh, you know, I, but especially uh, Alabama was on the short end of, of the stick along a lot of those calls. So I just didn't think, I, honestly, just for the sake of both teams, I didn't think that crew should have been in that game. They're not a big time officiating crew. It should be as good a crew as you've got officiating that game, not not the idiots that officiated the Alabama-Tennessee game. So I just felt like it was, you know, just not very well done at all. Uh, and, again, maybe the young man Mike Riley heal up, but, you know, sometimes you reap what you sow, uh, and that's what happened in that situation. Uh, but go ahead, Tom. Let me talk about the defensive issues that Alabama sure, had. Sure. And it really comes down to how Hugh Freeze wants to attack you. So the Hugh Freeze offense at its core is – it's not the same as it's been. It's it's iterated. But the thing about it is it's very much so predicated, as you said, Drew, on rubs, confusion, and options. And, you know, Alabama, one of Auburn's drives was just Peyton Thorne doing zone read keeps because the Alabama linebacking crew over-pursued and tried to take the running back. And – what that really means is, where, how do you fix it? Well, Georgia's not going to do that, for one. At least, I don't think they will. But more than anything, you know, Nick Saban said it himself, you know, run fits, playing with discipline, playing with discipline, playing, playing with eye discipline, playing fast, and in some ways, you know, winning your matchups. Because there were times that linebackers over-pursued, there were times that Alabama's defensive linemen were not able to stand up and do their t- proper two-gap thing, and that li- let led to rifts. Now, I-, I don't really buy into the notion that a lot of that Auburn stuff is translatable. Yes, Georgia will do some bunch sets, but stacks and bunches have kind of become the thing du jour to cause havoc if you've got a whole bunch of dudes at- that are effective. But just overall, it's a discipline thing. Now, 
I think there is some argument to be made that Alabama spent some time this week getting, you know, doing some specific Georgia prep. Um, I don't know if I, I, you know, there's some people that say, oh my God, Alabama did nothing but Georgia prep this week. And I'm just like, that's, that's not right at all. Um, I, I, do, I think that there was some split time and that did have a deleterious effect. But on top of that, even more than all that nonsense, realize that if not for a ticky-tack holding call on that, that Debo Samuel play, it would it, fourteen nothing Alabama in the got first ugly, quarter. Thomas. I really yeah. think it would have got ugly. Yeah, and so and, and and that's my point. Like you go from fourteen nothing with Alabama's offense just crunching through Auburn's defense to a single bust. Or wait, maybe what was it? Two busts? Or no, that was the first long Hunter thing. You know, Auburn popped one. They got they they out leveraged Alabama's defense, and suddenly it's seven seven, and suddenly those kids can play. And Alabama never put together a set of offensive plays for the rest of the game that didn't have some kind of bizarre mistake minus the Jermaine Burton long touchdown shot. And that really was more Jalen Milrow read it through a bomb, happy day, score a quick touchdown. So I don't think there's so much that needs to get fixed. Just that, you know, keep hammering your discipline, play your keys. And that's the sort of stuff that is going to get bashed into these players' heads against Georgia. So, you know, I – and I'll, I'll kind of spin this question, and thank you for your question, Bama Dude, on Twitter. I don't think you can expect Georgia to run for half. If Georgia gets to about half, that would be about what I'd expect, honestly. You know, maybe in the hundreds, hundred twenties, because Georgia is that good. But I just – I don't think, one, it's translatable. And, two, I don't think that it's very indicative. Like, this game – the Auburn offensive statistics to me feel like – almost like it, you have to go back and look at the circumstances. If Alabama goes up 14 nothing in the first quarter and forces Auburn to pass, game over. You know, we already saw Peyton Thorne – for all of the Javarius Johnson stuff that was there, Peyton Thorne was 5 of 16. And of those 16 passes, maybe half were catchable. Like, there were a couple of truly ugly drops from his wide receivers. His wide receivers did him no favors. But when I say, like, eight of them were catchable, I mean, eight. like, the other eight were just, you know, I could probably throw a more accurate pass. And believe me when I say, the only time I toss around a football is after way too much turkey on Thanksgiving. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. If I, if I, you know, I can tell you, as someone who's done all the math and fooled around with all the math and gets how the scheme should evolve against Georgia, I would not worry about that if I was an Alabama fan. I'm not worried about it at all, Drew. Well, and Thomas, before uh, we let William give his, what is your prediction? Do you have one on the game yet? So, I know the line is five. And yeah, it's gone up to five. Okay, gotcha. Well, I'm, I'm looking right now just to get the most up to date. I apologize. I, I did not have this tab open. Well, because like, I predicted four, four and a half, and I know yeah. it, was, it, like, it opened it okay. last week. Yeah, it opened at four and a half. It's been bet up generally at books to five. You can get it five, five and a half. So yeah. it's it's moved a point, and I don't. And so one one thing about this game that fans can keep an eye on, and I say this all the time, 
watch for sharp money trends. Sharps are not going to bet this early. They're almost certainly not going to bet before this teleconference to get an idea of health. Uh, you know, if I hope the reporters ask about Jace McClellan, Brock Bowers, and Lad McConkey. I think Kirby Smart mentioned Bowers and McConkey last night, but I just I haven't I didn't listen to that whole press conference. But anyway, the line right now sits at Georgia by five. The over under is fifty six. That essentially means like a 31-25, 31-26 kind of game. And yeah. that's right about where I think it's gonna be. Um I, I'm gonna be honest. I I think that I don't understand what it is with this team with Alabama. And damn it, I'm on an Alabama show. The stats say Georgia. Um, the stats say Georgia something like 31. I would go like 31-23 or 31-21. But I'm going to flip that score. And I'm going to say Alabama 34, Georgia 24. I just – I think I think Jalen Milrow is going to really, really stress this Georgia defense out. And something we haven't mentioned that really does bear some focus for Alabama fans, because Georgia's offense, Georgia's wide receiver group does this too. You can't just you can't do the Amari Cooper thing and put three guys on Amari Cooper, or the Marvin Harrison thing where you bracket him. Like you can't do that against this Alabama wide receiver core. You know, if Jermaine Burton's not open, uh, Kendrick Law would be open. Isaiah Bond will be open. Amari Nyblack will be open. You know, a statistic from Josh Pate, who if you don't listen to what he has to say, you absolutely should. He's he's really, really good at what he does. Josh Pate had a stat heading into the Iron Bowl, like eight guys caught a pass against LSU, and then nine guys caught a pass against T- Kentucky, and that was without Jermaine Burton, and then ten caught a pass against Chattanooga. Now, admittedly, Chattanooga, everybody but the Nacho guy could have caught a pass because they all got a chance to play. But the point is to say – you know, they're going to be dudes all over the field making plays, and that's going to be something really, really awkward. So I think Jalen Milrow will stress the Georgia defense, and I think Alabama's going to play a clean game. I, th- I think that they're, I think they're going to put it together when it matters most. And, you know, I didn't say much about the college football playoff, but I'll specifically answer it, then I'll go back to you, Drew. The reason Alabama is eighth is very, very simple. Their statistical profile has that Arkansas-USF problem. Power ranking systems, which the difference between a poll or a season statistic profile and a power ranking, power ranking adds a recency parameter. Essentially, yes, if you annihilate a good team early, it still matters, but it slowly matters less and less to your statistical profile. And depending on how you slice the data – and it's you know the easy the easy point for Alabama fans is start it at the second half of the Tennessee game, you know twenty to seven Alabama down, and from there they've been just rip roaring. Um, and the statistic that the broadcast showed against the, in the Iron Bowl, Alabama had scored a touchdown in seventeen straight quarters. But if you slice it there and you do your your ranking system, your statistical ranking system, Alabama's one or two in the country depending on who you talk to. And that's what gives me faith that some of the statistical profiles are off. They have data, but it's data that needs a little bit of tweaking just given how things have changed. And I can't believe the stats guy is saying that. But (sighs) anyhow, I think Alabama is going to win 34-24. I think Jalen Milrow is going to stress the Georgia defense out in a way that they have not been stressed. And I'm not sure they have the personnel to simulate being stressed very much. And 
I think the Alabama defense is going to get their faces rubbed in it that they gave up 250 to Auburn. Like to, The part that we hadn't talked about, Drew, and I apologize I'm going on a soliloquy, but I think this is important. Alabama wins Miracle Iron Bowl. Statistically, they should have won by more, but doggone it, they didn't. And there are reasons why. There are offensive reasons. There are defensive reasons. Nick Saban's going to bring that up, and it's going to be a motivation. And come Tuesday, when Alabama's still eighth because of the statistics that I've talked about, and all the other nonsense, it's going to be like, well, you know, you got to show them there. You, you, Alabama football players, have to show them, the College Football Playoff Committee, that you're wrong. I think they're going to do it. I think Alabama is going to beat Georgia this upcoming Saturday. And what's going to happen with the playoff committee? It's going to be real hard to stomach if Alabama beats Georgia, that they're not in the playoff. But at this point, all, I can, all you can ask for as an Alabama fan is a conversation. Start a conversation, make the committee make an uncomfortable choice, and if it doesn't break your way, it doesn't break your way. And honestly, if it doesn't break your way this year, it doesn't matter for next year because the SEC is always going to put two or three, probably four, into a 12-team playoff. And trust me when I say there will be some, like, 8-12 to 12 seed SEC teams that just rock other teams' worlds. And it's going to be one of those things where the whole conference dominance thing, it, oh, oh, it's going to – next year's going to be a lot of fun for that, Drew. But let's get through this game first. But, yeah, I think – give me Alabama 34-24. I just – and I could I could certainly see 34-31. But I just – I think there's a lot going into this game. And I really, really like where Alabama is. I like where the staff – what the staff has proven to be. And I think this team's coming together. But it's going to be a whale of a football game. And, uh, William, uh, if we're wrapping it up, uh, what is your prediction? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 28-24 Alabama. 28-24. We're along kind of the same wavelength. Again, I'm going 27-23, a little lower scoring. I think Alabama can find a way to get some stops. They've got to win the plus-minus. they got to force Georgia into some mistakes. And they got to be balanced. And Milrow's going to have to use his legs. He's going to have to be the MVP of this game. Uh, but I like Alabama here. I think this is the game they've been waiting on. A lot like 2009 when they had, when they were circling the Florida Gators and they had to get through the Iron Bowl, which they did with Roy Upchurch. And then they put on their best performance and been uh, whacked Urban Meyer and in uh, and, and, and Florida, went on to win the national championship. I, I just think this team, that's what they've been waiting on and I'm counting on them, hopefully putting together their best uh, 60 minutes of football. And as we wrap it up, Again, like we said, Mike Elko to Texas A&M. It looks like that's done. Jeff Levy to Mississippi State. We'll see how this affects recruiting. And, of course, the, the assistant coach, Carousel, as well. Also, quick basketball update. Alabama split this week over in Destin. Uh, they got, uh, you know, a, a good win over Oregon yesterday, 99-91. Uh, 27 points for Sears, 17 for Ryland Griffin, 11 for Grant Nelson. Uh, Estrada had a nice game as well. So Alabama was able to bounce back and get a nice win. Now they did lose 92 to 81. They struggled a little bit with Ohio state, Ohio state turned around and beat Santa Clara though, by 30 in the final. So I think it's a pretty good, you know, Ohio state team. Uh, but like I said, uh, I think this, they're turning into the three headed monster. Estrada had 22 yesterday. They've got Estrada Sears. Uh, and Grant Nelson playing well. Hopefully the 17th and Ryland Griffin, who's really been playing well defensively as well, is another great sign of things to come. They've got a big game on 
on uh, coming up on Tuesday, and then Coleman calls Tim against Clemson in the SEC ACC Challenge. So uh, just be ready for that. Also, they're still continuing to recruit Darion Reed, the five-star. He's telling uh, Bama Online that he will decide uh, publicly in around Christmas. So I think Alabama's still in good shape here. They put in a lot of work uh, with uh, Nate Oates and, and uh, certainly uh, his new staff, Austin Clunch, uh, especially Preston Murphy, uh, but even Ryan Pannone. So we'll see if they get some good news there. And, of course, we're going to be focusing on recruiting going forward after the SEC championship game because of the upcoming signing period. But we will certainly be back with you uh, this next uh, Sunday to wrap up the SEC championship game. And hopefully Alabama getting to the college football playoff. But they've got to win this, got to claim another SEC championship under Coach Nick Saban. It's going to be the biggest game of the year, in my opinion, in college football. And we look forward to recapping it. Hopefully a big Bama win next Sunday. We appreciate everybody for supporting us on the Patreon. We appreciate the question, uh, you know, from Bama Dude there about the run defense. But we're going to wrap up this show today. We hope you enjoyed that Iron Bowl win. And then we'll have a huge, uh, you know, game coming up Saturday against uh, the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, biggest challenge of the year. But, everybody, we appreciate it. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Good night and roll tide.